following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown. And uh, this week, ladies and gentlemen, it uh, seems I am all by myself. I really am. I'm all by myself. It's a sad day, but that's all right. Uh, Tyler is out for one more week. He'll be back hopefully next week. I know Alex will be back uh, next week, uh, at least I hope. Um, but for this particular week, I'm sorry, folks. You're going to have to listen to me all by myself. And uh, that's all right, because I can make a bounce by myself. <laughs> that one's for you, Tyler. And, um, folks, we have a hell of a week three going on here. Um, man, uh, week three is in the books. We've got week four coming. Uh, the Thursday night games have already happened, or Thursday night game has already happened. Uh, hell of an injury to Tua Tungavailoa. We're going to be talking about that a little bit. But man, do we have some uh, some stuff to go through today? Uh, we got our scores around the league. We've got our news, all kinds of stuff. So we're gonna jump right in here, folks. I'm not gonna waste any time. Let's jump into the week three scores around the NFL right here. So here are your scores for week three, starting with the Browns and the Steelers. The Browns beat the Steelers. We talked about this last week. The Browns beat them 29-17. Very definitive win here for the Browns. That run offense was just on point. Steelers couldn't get anything done. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has himself a, just a mediocre or less than mediocre day. Uh, Nick Chubb has himself a hell of a day. Uh, Joe, Jacoby Brissett looked actually like a pretty decent quarterback in this game. I was a little surprised. But uh, the Browns get it done 29-17 here. No surprise to me. Uh, next up, sort of a surprise, the Dolphins go, high, go out and beat the Bills 21-19. Uh, the Dolphins, you know, they've been looking good, and we're going to be talking about the Dolphins quite a bit here today. But, you know, going out and beating the Bills 21-19 was huge. And then the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, for the Bills has himself a freaking meltdown um, after the game. It was just brutal. Josh Allen went out and threw the ball 63 times in this game. 400 yards, two touchdowns on the day for him. Tua, almost like a minimalist in this game. 13 for 18, 186 and a touchdown. You know, in Tua, you know, he got slammed on the ground in this game. Uh, you know, for those of you who are watching Thursday Night Football this past week, there's no reason why he should have been on the field after he was thrown to the ground in this Bills game, to be honest with you. I saw him stand up. He was staggering around. It was a big freaking mess. We're going to be talking a little bit about this Tua stuff um, and, and what is going on over there in Miami. I just don't understand at this point why the Miami Dolphins cannot function like a normal football team and like a like a normal uh, organization. But, yeah, like I said, we'll get, out, get into that shortly uh, when the news rolls around. Uh, next up, we got the Bengals and the Jets. Uh, the Bengals, man, coming alive here. Finally starting to look like the Bengals from last year. Joe Burrow, 23 for 36, 275, three touchdowns. Has himself a really nice day. And so does Tyler Boyd. You know, uh, every now and then Tyler Boyd will wake up. And, and this is one of those games, 105 yards and a touchdown for him. You know, and over with the Jets, I mean, it is what it is. Tyler Conklin, the former Viking, eight receptions, 84 yards. Flacco had himself a rough day. This is one of the more rough days for Joe. I mean, it, it's just... 
you knew he was a good spot start, but he's sort of hit or miss. I still think he's better than Zach Wilson, who we'll get into uh, pretty shortly here. But yeah, the Jets drop one to the Bengals. Bengals go one and two. And uh, actually, with them winning this past Thursday night, spoiler alert, uh, with them winning this past Thursday night, they go out and uh, wind up two and two. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. Uh, next up, you get the Titans and the Raiders. The Titans beat them 24-22. You know, Derrick Henry kind of came alive here. We finally got to see the Derrick Henry we're used to seeing. He only had 20 carries on the day. I mean, usually we're used to seeing him get 25, 30 carries a game. 20 carries, but he still gets 85 yards and a touchdown. He had a 4.2 average, which is not a bad day. Ryan Tannehill, uh, he was. this is the game-managing Ryan Tannehill that we're looking for and the game-managing type of Ryan Tannehill that I've grown to expect. 19 for 27, 264 and a TD. He did have a pick on the day. And a guy that came alive, just throwing this out here, Robert Woods. We talked about him in the offseason as potentially being the number one for this team over Traylon Burks. And he showed he can be. Four receptions, 85 yards. And also, by the way, Derrick Henry got involved in the passing game. <gasps> I know, it never happens. Derrick Henry, five receptions for 58 yards. I'm surprised uh, beating out Dontrell Hilliard in the passing game. Wow. So the Titans pull one over on the Raiders, 24-22. Uh, next up, we get the Panthers and the Saints. Panthers beat the Saints here, 22-14. Baker Mayfield doesn't do anything spectacular. It was actually a pretty less-than-mediocre game for him. But he does enough. Uh, Christian McCaffrey does Christian McCaffrey things. 25 for uh, 25 carries for 108 yards. I mean, not a bad game for this team. And then, uh, you know, you got a lot of contributors all over the place in the passing game. Tua had 12 passes, and he completed them to eight different guys. He completed 12. I mean, that's just wild. Uh, he did have 25 attempts on the day, though. It was a rough one for him in that aspect. On the other side, Jameis Winston kind of looking rough. Winston's got these injuries that he's been playing through for the last couple of weeks, and I don't understand why the Saints keep putting him out there when these injuries are clearly affecting him. Uh, even though he had 353 on the day, 25 for 41, a touchdown and two picks is not the type of performance Jameis Winston should be having, uh, and, and really should it's not a situation he should be in with the level of injuries that he's been having. So Jameis Winston, uh, and we'll be talking about him shortly. The story of this game, the guy that came alive, Chris Olave, the rookie, we talked about him and how he could be a stud as far as being a deep ball threat goes. Man, he was. Nine receptions, 147 yards. He had a 16.3 average on the day. Olave looked like the real deal. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about Chris Olave later and what we expect out of this Saints team going into that London matchup with the Vikings at 9.30 a.m. <laughs> uh, 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 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and I'm not looking forward to waking up that early to watch a game, but hey, it is what it is. We're going to see what the Vikings do. Uh, next up, we got the Ravens and the Patriots. The Ravens beat the Patriots in dominant fashion, 37-26. Uh, let's talk about Lamar Jackson. This guy is getting, he's already got the early lead in this MVP race. We've seen this before. I'm not going to sit here and say that Lamar's the MVP, but a total of five touchdowns on the day for him really just uh, sets the world ablaze. A very exciting time for Lamar Jackson, and uh, he goes out and gets it done. Also, by the way, Mark Andrews still there. Eight receptions, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Lamar ran, he had 18 for 29 for 218. He had four touchdowns. Yeah, he had a pick, but then he had 11 carries for 107 and a touchdown. Lamar Jackson, man, the, the amount of points that he's putting on the board these days, Christ almighty, he's, he's going to be a tough one to beat out for that MVP race. 
<clears throat> on the other side, Mac Jones, just a bad day at the office. He had three picks on the day, 22 for 32, 321, three picks. Um, he got a high ankle sprain, leaves the game in the fourth quarter, and, man, he looked like he was in some kind of pain. Mac Jones is on the shelf. Uh, get ready for some Brian Hoyer action over there with the Patriots. Uh, next up, probably one of the more exciting games of the week, the Vikings and the Lions. Look, folks, it was one of the most embarrassing wins that I've ever had uh, uh, as a fan. It's one of the most embarrassing wins that I've ever experienced. Uh, I am not proud of this win. I thought the Vikings played like shit. They got outcoached. They got outplayed. I am not proud of what the Minnesota Vikings uh, accomplished in this game. It's just, it, it was ugly. Um, a lot of people are talking about how, um, oh, you know, you should be happy that the, the Vikings, you know, they made a comeback and you should be happy that the, the Vikings went out and, you know, uh, uh, you know, had a situation where they, they came back from the dead and they, they you know, came back from a 10-point deficit. No, it should have never been that, that far out. You know, I understand the Lions are a good team, but look, when you're taking on the Detroit Lions and you have as many superstars as you have on the field, you should be able to beat the Detroit Lions. The fact that it took the Vikings this long to figure out that Adam Thielen was still on the field and that K.J. Osborne was still on the field and the fact that Dalvin Cook was still on the field is a problem we need to be talking about that a little bit more um it, it's just it's troubling honestly and and then we had a, a kicker go wide right on two straight field goals that was a mess um we we need to to chit chat about these things these different items here uh the the defense this shell defense from ed donatel looking like an absolute mess i i can't why are corners playing 10 10 yards off the football Somebody explain that to me. Uh, and and Lewis Seen gets beat out for the start by, by Josh Metellus. I get a lot of people standing there going, well, don't be so alarmed. It's no big deal. Uh, it's, it's fine. No, it's, it's not fine. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, he... You, you, you spend a first-round pick. You spend all this draft capital to move back with Detroit. You go out and pick up Lewis Seen. And he goes out and doesn't even start. He gets rele relegated to um, special teams duty. And, and people are telling me, oh, you're, you're just giving up so early. Shouldn't that, like, set off alarms to somebody? I don't care how long Josh Metellus has been in the league. He's a sixth-round pick. Sixth-rounder. That's what he is, folks. So I don't want to hear all this stuff about how long Josh Metellus has been in the league. Lewisine is a first-round pick. When you go and you pick somebody up in the first round, the expectation is for that guy to wind up as the number one safety as a day one starter, in, and that's the expectation. And I've heard so many ridiculous things and theories about, oh, well, he's going to take over for Harrison Smith, and, oh, you know, Harrison Smith's going to be out the door. Look, the Vikings aren't going to eat an $11 million cap hit to send Harrison Smith out the door on his deal. Harrison Smith still has some years on his deal. Uh, it, there's problems on this football team. The fact that we had Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter on the field and they couldn't hit home, that's a problem. The fact that, that Jordan Hicks right now is our best-performing linebacker, not only is it a surprise, but it's kind of a problem, um, given the fact that we have Eric Kendricks and Zadarius Smith on the field. Daniil Hunter should be a hand-in-the-ground defensive end. We should not be having Daniil Hunter as a standing-up defensive end. And further, why is Daniil Hunter backing up into coverage? That is a problem. Okay, there, there are issues, and it's strange to me. I don't, it, it's strange, it's like a pleasant surprise, though, that I will say that the Vikings' offensive line has become 
something of a strength for this football team, that's a change of pace. But at the end of the day, we, we really got to start thinking about what the hell is going on with this football team and why they're not being successful. So there's that. Um, and at the end of the day, the Vikings go out and uh, defeat the Detroit Lions. Justin Jefferson was a non-factor, by the way, in this game. The fact that, that teams have figured out two weeks in a row how to shut him down, that's a problem. Uh, he went out and had 13 yards in this game. That's an issue. That's a guy that in the offseason said he wanted to break 2,000. He's a guy that started out with 184 yards in week one and put up 13 yards. And people are like, oh, it's no big deal. It's no problem. You don't know what you're talking about. And I, I, when I pointed out the fact that he hasn't shown up for the last two weeks, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Look, folks, 37% of his snaps, he got locked down by Darius Slay in week two. And then this week he was in man coverage with Jeff Okuda. And they didn't do anything spectacular. Okay, they, they, they didn't do anything wild. They didn't do anything crazy. What they did is they went out and, and they bracketed the safeties. They had one safety playing close and one safety playing deep. And they were zone safeties. So basically anytime Justin Jefferson crossed into one of their zones, they came up and they were standing there. He basically waltzed into their zone. So don't sit here and saying he was playing, oh, he's double teamed all the time. No, he wasn't. Jeff Okuda shut him down this past week, period. And for the record with Detroit, Jeff Okuda's turned himself into quite the corner. The fact that this game was as close as it is, with an injured DeAndre Swift and a gimped out Amon Ra St. Brown with his, his bum ankle, that is a problem, folks. So for all you Vikings fans out there that are giving this wait-and-see fucking approach, let's hit the panic button. Lewis Seen is not the guy, and Justin Jefferson's getting shut down. we got to find a way to scheme him open the way that Kevin O'Connell said he schemed open Cooper Cup for the last X amount of years. we got to get that going here. So... There's that. That's my Vikings rant for the day. Um, also, by the way, just just so we're clear here, you remember all those people who said, oh, yeah, we, we got a stud in, in the draft and we're, we're commenting on how I'm panicking too much about Lewis Seen and all this other stuff and how Lewis Seen's a great player and I needed to watch more tape? Yeah, so much for that, folks. Quit acting like tape junkies. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Uh, next up, we got the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Commanders. The Eagles go out and beat the Commanders 24-8. Uh, the Eagles, man, they're looking like Super Bowl contenders. They didn't look like uh, um, they didn't look like contenders, but they did. Uh, but they did look like contenders this week. So in Week One, they they it was really questionable. They they went out and took on a shoddy Lions team, still within three points. Week two and three, man, shutting down the Vikings and then kicking the shit out of the Commanders. This was something. Uh, the Eagles look like contenders. They look like Super Bowl contenders, unlikely Super Bowl contenders. A lot of people said that they were going to be Super Bowl contenders, and uh, I thought they were crazy people. Well, they're making me eat that shit burger right now. Um, and interestingly enough, Carson Wentz gets shut down in this game after having two really solid weeks in week one and two. Kind of a surprise. Eagles get it done. It's no surprise that the Eagles get it done, but a surprise it wasn't more competitive. So the Commanders go out and uh, get beat by the Eagles. Next up, we got the Colts and the Chiefs. Here's a major upset. Colts, man, they stunk the first two weeks. Next thing you know, the Chiefs get shut down by the Colts. What? What happened? Uh, Patty Mahomes has himself a very human game. 20 for 35, 262, a touchdown and a pick. And then Matt Ryan goes out and actually has himself a pretty damn good name or good game here. 27 for 37, 222, two touchdowns for Matt Ryan on the day. Um, Michael Pittman returns, and I think 
really having Michael Pittman back was going to be the big shot on the arm, shot in the arm rather for the Colts. I it really helped a lot, and I think it helped open things up. Jonathan Taylor, 21 carries, 71 yards. You know, he didn't get in the end zone, but Jonathan Taylor kind of returned to form a little bit in this situation. Next up, uh, the Bears go out and beat the Texans. Kind of a surprise, but it was kind of a toilet bowl game. We knew it was going to be tight. Davis Mills has a rough game. The Bills, may, or I'm sorry, the Bears rather. Justin Fields is just not the quarterback that, that the Bears thought he was going to be and that a lot of people thought he was going to be. Uh, 8 for 17 for 106 and two picks. He sucked. He was terrible. The fact that the Chicago Bears are 2-1 and one right now is a complete mind fuck to me. Let me let me just make that clear. Mind fuck. I, I thought this was terrible. Uh, terrible game, but the fact that the Bears are 2-1, and one, insanity. Um, the story of this game, though, Khalil Herbert, man. 20 carries for 157, two touchdowns. Now, look. Last year, we had the same type of issue. David Montgomery goes down, Khalil Herbert comes in, Khalil Herbert looks like a king, and I believe that Khalil Herbert is the better running back. I think Khalil Herbert should be the starter on this team. I think that the Bears can get away with letting David Montgomery walk out the door and not have to give him a huge contract and and keep Khalil Herbert hanging around as your number one running back. I think it's a good problem to have that Khalil Herbert is going to wind up being way cheaper than David Montgomery, and he's going to be a way more effective running back. For the love of God, pay Khalil Herbert, keep him around, give him the big fat contract, and say goodbye to David Montgomery. He's just not worth your time. He's too injury prone. Get him out the door. I feel like the guy's hurt every year. As for the Texans, Damian Pierce, man, comes alive, 20 carries, 80 yards, and a TD. Davis Mills did have the two picks throwing the ball around, but hey, it is what it is. And uh, the Bears pull one over on the Texans. Next up, another huge upset. Jacksonville dominates the Chargers. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The Jacksonville Jaguars, James Robinson, this is the guy that I believe should be the number one running back on this team. James Robinson, 17 carries, 100 yards, and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence, 28 for 39, 262, three touchdowns. I mean, this was a hell of a game by the Jags, and it seems like like uh, Doug Peterson is kind of hitting his stride as a coach. Zay Jones comes around, 10 receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Who would have saw that coming? And then on top of it, Christian Kirk, six receptions, 72 yards, and a touchdown. I mean... You know, this is uh, um, mind-boggling to me. First of all, Zay Jones getting those touches is mind-boggling to me, that amount of touches. He had 11 targets on the day. But Christian Kirk, six receptions for 72 yards and a touchdown. The fact that Christian Kirk has been a consistent player for the, the Chargers, or I'm sorry, for the Jags this year, is just insanity to me. Just wild. Um, the Chargers, man, playing from behind a majority of the day. They were throwing the ball all over the place. Herbert threw the ball 45 times, and he was ineffective. Uh, Josh Palmer was the leading receiver, just a surprise. And actually, the leading rusher, man, oh, man. The one guy that couldn't get it done was Austin Eckler. He had four carries for five yards. Leading rusher, eat your heart out, Tyler. Sony Michelle had five carries for 22 yards. Even though they were playing from behind, Sony Michelle was the more effective running back. Kind of surprising. I just wanted to point that out. Sony Michelle, maybe just kind of eking up that depth chart a little bit. Hmm. Think about it. So uh, the Jags go out and beat the Chargers. Next up, we got the Rams beating the Cards 20 to 12. The Rams beating the Cardinals this way is no surprise to me. I'm surprised that it's actually a little more close. Kyler Murray threw the ball 58 times in this game. 
didn't get in the end zone. Marquise Brown caught 14 passes for 140 yards. Just insanity. And the fact that they could only put up 12 points on all that offense is, is just wild. The Rams, on the other hand, Matt Stafford had himself a decent game, 18 for 25, 249, but he didn't get in the end zone either. Cam Akers starting to come alive, though. 12 carries, 61 yards, a touchdown, a 5.1 average. That's what we're looking for. Cam Akers finally coming alive after uh, two weeks of squalor. He kind of comes back in week three and starts looking like himself. So the Rams go out and get it done against the Cardinals, 20 to 12. Next up, another close game. Packers and the Bucks close in low scoring. Packers beat the Bucks 14 to 12 in Tampa. Uh, Aaron Rodgers looked decent enough in this game, 27 for 35. He was kind of playing game managing football, but he was very accurate. Uh, the rookie Romeo Dubs had himself a good game, eight receptions, 73 yards, and a TD. And then for the Bucks, I mean Tom Brady, he looked pretty good as well. Russell Gage with 12 receptions, 87 yards, and a TD. You know, Tom Brady kind of just trying to scrape by right now with all these these huge pieces out. They were missing Mike Evans in this game. Um, you know, his number one was Russell Gage. They, they picked up Cole Beasley. They had Leonard Fournette still there. But, I mean, when you get when your top three receivers are Russell Gage, Rashad Perriman, and Scotty Miller, there's a problem with Cole Beasley getting hired a couple days before. I mean, that's an issue. So, um, hopefully, for Tom Brady's sake, he winds up getting Mike Evans back on in that field and Chris Godwin, hopefully, sooner than later. But, man, it is a rough go for the Bucks right now. Uh, next up, we got the Falcons and the Seahawks. Falcons pull one over on the Seahawks, 27-23. to 23. Uh, Marcus Mariota doesn't do anything crazy. 13 for 20, 229, a touchdown and a pick. Meh, whatever. But let's talk about Cordero Patterson. 17 carries, 141 yards and a touchdown. You know, it's amazing to me that somebody took this long to figure out that this guy is more of a running back than he is a receiver. Uh, he's a hell of a kick returner. We knew that from the past, but man... He has turned into one of the most effective running backs in the entire NFL, which is just insanity to me. Um, knowing that, I wish we would have just converted him to running back. But Cordero Patterson, man, killing it in this game. Kyle Pitts also came alive. A lot of people were talking about, hey, we need Kyle Pitts to get more involved. Five receptions, 87 yards in this game. So we're seeing a little more Kyle Pitts um, in this game. Also, on the other side, Geno Smith actually had himself a decent game. We got to see certain guys come alive. This is like the, the token Tyler Lockett game where he comes alive a little bit, and then he'll, he'll and my expectation is he's going to dip back into the background. Um, every year, Tyler Lockett's good for about four, maybe five games, if that, and uh, this is one of them. Nine receptions, 76 yards. He had himself a decent game. DK Metcalf finally getting involved. Five receptions, 64, and a touchdown. He had a decent game. Um, you know, I, Rashad Penning is, is the lead carrier over there with the Seattle Seahawks, but... I really think Kenneth Walker is the better runner. Um, each one, I mean, Kenneth Walker on three carries, he had a 6.3 average. Rashad Penny had a 4.7 average. I really do think that Kenneth Walker is going to wind up being the more effective running back once this hernia situation for him gets healed up. Once he heals from that hernia surgery or he's fully healed, he's going to, as this thing progresses, he's going to be asking for a larger workload. So I think we're going to see that. Uh, this is probably the best stat line I've ever seen from Geno Smith. I don't expect that to be, you know, any any bigger uh, moving forward. But, yeah, it, it's 
it's an interesting uh, little little thing for the Seahawks here to see certain guys performing. I think they come back down to earth this week against a uh, Lions team that is actually a lot tougher than they have been in the past. Uh, next up, probably the most boring Sunday night football game I've ever seen in my life. Uh, between, it was, as Alex put it, a um, toothless lion, lion gumming a, uh, a dead zebra to death. I mean, or a dead zebra. It was just bad. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo shows back up on the field. The, the, the Niners lose to the, the Broncos 11-10 to 10 here. I swear to you, it was the most boring, awful Sunday night football game I've ever watched. Uh, Jeff Wilson, 12 carries, 75 yards on the day. They need to get that guy more involved in the red zone. I would like to see him get a couple touchdowns here uh, for the, the 49ers. He's, he's going to take over that Elijah Mitchell role. He needs to start being Elijah Mitchell. Um, Debo does Debo things. Five receptions, 73 yards. It looks like the Niners are starting to get away from this run the, the receiver out of the backfield thing. Teams have queued in on it. People are starting to realize that if Debo saying they, they've got a spy on Debo at, at this point. I mean, the, the running receivers out of the backfield thing has not been effective for the last couple of weeks now. Teams aren't playing that game anymore. The the Niners need to get back to playing 49er run first football and quit running receivers out of the backfield. These trick plays are bullshit. Um, on the other end, the Broncos, Russ Wilson looks just anemic in this game. <laughs> it's just terrible. Broncos getting booed off the field again in their home stadium again. They've just been getting booed by their own fans. This is not what the Broncos signed up for when they signed up for Russell Wilson and they gave him that monster contract this year. And here we are, Russ Wilson, 20 for 33 for 184 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Okay, he played mistake-free football, but it's still a shitty stat line. Um, so the, the Broncos, it's amazing to me that they're 2-1 and one right now. I'm blown away by that. But I think they're going to wind up being brought back down to earth when they take on some of these real teams. The 49ers couldn't get anything going on offense. I don't understand why. I know the Broncos' defense is good, but fucking Christ, this was just a terrible performance by their offense. Uh, and last but not least, the Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys beat the Giants 23-16. to Cooper Rush comes onto the field as the starter in the absence of Dak Prescott with the injured hand. Rush performs admirably. I'm not going to say he performed really extremely well, but he performs admirably. Um, the, the big story to me for, for the Cowboys is the splitting carries of, of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott here. Pollard had 13 carries for 105 yards. Zeke had 15 for 73 and a TD. I think that, that Ezekiel Elliott should be seeing more field time. I do think that Tony Pollard, however, has been more effective for the Cowboys running. It's just an interesting situation. Zeke, I think, is a better running back if you give him more touches, if that makes sense. I do think if Tony Pollard receives more touches, he's going to wind up slowing down. You're not going to see that same level of production. You're going to see Tony Pollard slow down heavily once he starts hitting that 20 carry mark. Ezekiel Elliott gets warmed up. He takes time to get warmed up, and then when he gets up to the 20-25 carry range, he starts firing on all cylinders because he's warmed up. Tony Pollard comes in hot and slows down. It's just an interesting little dynamic there. Pollard outgains Zeke here, but I think Zeke's the better runner still. Um, also, CeeDee Lamb with a circus catch in this game, one-hander in the end zone. He had eight receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown. It was a decent day. Noah Brown still had himself a decent game after showing up big last week. He had five receptions for 54 yards as well. Is Cooper Rush the better quarterback than Dak Prescott? I don't think so. Uh, a lot of people are talking about that. I don't think he is. 
Um, on the other end, Daniel Jones, we're being constantly reminded why the Giants are moving on from Daniel Jones after this year and why they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. I don't blame them. Saquon looks like Saquon, but they need to get him more carries. You know, that offense should be running through Saquon Barkley. I don't understand why it's not. But uh, Daniel Jones is is a mess. They need to get a new quarterback over there. One of the sadder stories in this game is Sterling Shepard tearing his ACL. Uh, we'll be talking about that shortly with the, uh, the MetLife Stadium turf stuff. But with that, those are your scores around the NFL. Now, we have um, some of our, our uh, uh, stuff going on here as far as our MVP, our rookie rankings, and all that. Um, so with that, now that we got our scores out of the way, I want to jump into our top 10 for this week. Um, Top performances, man. Our top 10 is is pretty wild. I'm going to start with the honorable mentions. We had two honorable mentions this week, uh, and, and these are guys that actually had really good performances that I think any other week would wind up in the top 10. But, hey, sometimes it's just how the cookie crumbles. Uh, honorable mention number one goes to Nick Chubb. He had 23 carries for 113 yards and a touchdown. Um, I really think Nick Chubb had himself a great game, and, uh, you know, he he did what Nick Chubb does. I don't I don't. I don't think this was a horrible performance from him. I thought this was a, a really, really solid performance from Nick Chubb, and I think you know it, it's that's a number one running back over there. He's one of the top rushers in the league. He, I think he's top three right now. It's good to see him just continuing to to pound away. I've always liked Nick Chubb as a as one of the running backs for the Browns. I think he's the best running back on that team. I think he's better than Kareem Hunt, but um, yeah, he gets one of the honorable mentions. Next up, you get Jamal Williams, kind of an unsung hero for the, that Lions team this past week. They they almost won, and Jamal Williams was a huge part of that. 20 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. He fills in admirably for DeAndre Swift, who had the shoulder injury. Um, I think he also had an ankle injury that he should, you know, the, he had all kinds of problems. Jamal Williams is a good running back. I thought he was a good running back when he was with the Packers, and there's Jamal Williams, looking like Jamal Williams. So uh, with that, Jamal Williams winds up 20 carries, 87 yards, two TDs uh, on the day as an honorable mention. Um, now jumping into our week's top performances, let's talk about Joe Burrow a little bit. Uh, finally looking like the Joe Burrow of yesteryear, 23 for 36, 275, three touchdowns. He's at number 10. Uh, you know, I like Joe Burrow a lot. <clears throat> I've uh, liked him for a while. He's a guy that gets the hell beat out of him uh, on a consistent basis. <laughs> I mean, he really does. Uh, and and here's Joe Burrow showing up, man. He, he showed up in a big way. Burrow uh, winds up at number 10 on the list here. Uh, number 9 goes to Marquise Hollywood Brown. 14 receptions, 140 yards. You know, any other time if this guy got in the end zone, this performance would be way up this list. He didn't get in the end zone, but his yardage and the amount of receptions gets him on this list for me. He's up at number 9. Hollywood winds up uh, as as number 9 on this week's list. He was the most targeted receiver, I think, this week. Uh, next up, we got Mac Hollins. 8 receptions, 158 yards, and a touchdown. Dude comes out of nowhere for Vegas. Uh, shows up and has himself a hell of a game at number eight. So Mac Hollins, he winds up showing up on the list. It's, a, it's kind of an, a relative unknown showing up on this list, sort of a surprise. Number six comes to Devontae Smith, eight receptions, 169, and a touchdown. Devontae, man, he was really, really, really quiet 
Uh, this is a huge game for him, especially against a Washington team who actually has a pretty decent secondary, if I'm not mistaken. But Devontae Smith comes out rocking and rolling at uh, number seven, um, and, and we wind up uh, finally getting what we wanted out of Devontae here. Uh, I, I'm kind of blown away that it took him this long to get fired up. I know there was a lot of excitement about A.J. Brown over there, but the fact that he he finally you know, showed up is, is a big deal. So good on Devonte Smith for, uh, uh, finally getting out there. Um, next up we've got Josh Allen. Um, you know, Josh Allen, 42 for 63, 400 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a, a fumble on the day, but he also had eight carries for 47 yards in this game. I mean, Josh Allen coming in at, at number six is is a big deal. Uh, I, I think Josh Allen is is a consensus MVP type of guy. Most people believe he's going to wind up being an MVP, uh, myself included. I think he's on his way. I think he's right in contention with Lamar right now. Lamar is over here fighting for a new contract. Josh Allen already got his, so there may not be that big of a killer instinct as compared to Lamar. But I do think Josh Allen is, is a really, really solid uh, quarterback. He's one of the best in the league. And he shows up here at number six. Number five, Trevor Lawrence. That's a name that we have, I don't think we've ever seen on this list. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, we shit on him really bad these this last year. This year, 28 for 39, 262. He had three touchdowns on the day. Just ripped the Chargers a new asshole. Very surprising play from Trevor Lawrence. I'm here for it. I think Doug Peterson has untapped that potential from Trevor. I think we're going to see a lot more of him. Uh, uh, blowing up the stat sheet and, and beating the hell out of teams just like he did at Clemson. This is a great start for him. Very excited to see what Trevor Lawrence does in the future for the Jags. Uh, number four goes to Cordero Patterson. It's crazy to me that he's at number four on this list. 17 carries, 141. He had a touchdown and 8.3 average. We talked about him earlier. Super excited to see him on this list. Very surprising that this is number four, though. I mean, if this is number four, imagine what the other three are. Number three goes to old Jalen Hurts. 22 for 35, 340 yards, three touchdowns on the day. Jalen Hurts tearing it up. Uh, keep do, keeps doing Jalen Hurts things. Uh, I, I've been We shit on him a little bit last year. I didn't think he was going to be the real deal. He turns out to be the real deal. 22 for 35, 340 yards, three touchdowns, has himself a day, and uh, he's been having himself a year. Like I said, Eagles are, are Super Bowl favorites right now in the NFC, and they're looking like contenders. Gotta love what Jalen Hurts is doing, eating me and uh, or making me and Tyler eat a big, big old uh, plate of crow here. Number two, we talked about him earlier. I love him. Khalil Herbert, 20 carries, 157 yards. Two touchdowns on the day. He had a 7.9 average. Uh, Khalil Herbert showed up in a huge, huge way. Um, you know, I, I still think he should be the number one running back with Chicago. I, I really believe that. And then last but not least, I mean, this is Lamar Jackson all day long. Number one. Uh, 18 for 29. He had 218 yards. Four touchdowns. Um, and then he, he did throw a pick, but then he also had 11 carries for 107 yards and a touchdown. I mean, like, holy shit. I mean, he had over 300 yards of offense on his own, and then he had five touchdowns. <laughs> these, are, these are MVP numbers. And he's having an MVP caliber season so far, three games in. We've seen this before out of, out of uh, 
um, Lamar Jackson, and I, I really believe that Lamar Jackson has the, the talent to be um, the MVP in this league. Uh, if he continues on in this traje- trajectory, he will be. But I think he has every tool in the toolbox to get it done. So number one for this week's performances goes to Lamar Jackson. Now, moving onward, we're going to jump into the forgetful five, the horrible uh, uh, performances of the week, and there were some bad ones. Uh, Number five for Freytown's forgetful five goes to Russ Wilson. Uh, 20 for 33, 184 yards. Russ Wilson, this has turned out to be a disaster of a contract thus far for the Broncos. I don't think that Russ Wilson is um, the answer, and I don't think he's going to be the wind up being the same guy ever since that hand surgery from last year. He's just not the same guy, and I don't think he's ever going to get back to being that guy. So Russ Wilson winds up as number five on the forgetful five. Uh, Number four goes to Daniel Jones, 20 for 37. He had 196 yards and an interception. He just looked like shit. like I said before, I think the Giants are are not picking up his fifth-year option, and rightfully so. He's proving why that's a good decision right now. So Daniel Jones winds up as number four. Number three goes to Joe Flacco, 28 for 52, 285 yards, two interceptions on the day. Just a bad day for Joe. Um, you know, he came out of the, the box real hot, you know, came into the season real hot, and uh, he hasn't really you know, performed up to snuff as far as I'm concerned, and at least in this last game. Um, I, I think Joe Flacco's a better quarterback than Zach Wilson, but this was not a good performance for him. I, I and, and they're getting ready to put Zach Wilson back in, which I think is a mistake. I don't think the Jets become competitive until they go out and they draft a first-round quarterback that is legit and not Zach Wilson, not some flash-in-the-pan kid like Zach Wilson. Um, and, and Joe Flacco is, is not the answer. If the Jets wind up, you know, in the Lamar, Lamar Jackson sweepstakes after this season, if the Ravens don't get a a contract done, then that makes sense. But I mean, right now the Jets, they need a quarterback desperately. They have all these pieces. They need a real quarterback, not, not a, a old time Wiley veteran that is washed up. They don't need Zach Wilson. Who's not any good. They need a real quarterback over there to be successful. Uh, number two goes to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Seven carries for zero yards. Let that sink in, that that is number two. The only reason he he winds up uh, as, as number two in this situation is he scored a touchdown. He had five receptions for 39 yards. He did score a touchdown. So if he doesn't score that touchdown, this is no doubt number one. But there's a guy at number one that did not score a touchdown. Austin Eckler, he had four carries for five yards. It was a 1.2 average, and he had eight receptions for 48 yards, but he didn't get in the end zone. So the the, the touchdown is what separated the two, but Austin Eckler winds up at number one on the forgetful five. Had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire not scored the touchdown, that would have been him by a landslide at number one. But Austin Eckler winds up at number one. Horrible performance. Um, Just a bad day at the office for him. And now we go into our rookie rankings. Uh, Tyler and I have, uh, you know, we've, we've had some differing things on the rookie rankings. Um, and uh, I've been looking over, you know, guys that have been stepping up. You know, early in the season, it's tough because when we go into these rookie rankings and we start rating these guys and going over, you know, what they've done and what they're accomplishing, these players 
the like the littlest thing will wind up making a, a huge jump early in the season for them, if that makes sense. Excuse me, got to get a drink of my Red Bull here. But uh, so especially early on in the season, you know, you could have one bad game, and and next thing you know, you're off the list. You could have we we got to see it. I mean, Bernard Raymond didn't even play this week. He was ranked really high last week. He was top five, if I'm not mistaken. Bernard Raymond has slipped. So I mean, and and he's almost off the list right now. I mean, and I say almost, but I mean he's he's getting close. There are, and then there's players that that had themselves amazing weeks and popped up on the list. Uh, and and we're going to talk about a few of those guys. But first, we're going to talk about the outside looking in. Uh, number four, a guy that had a great week and it was really kind of looking good right now, Jermaine Johnson the second, the edge rusher for the Jets. He winds up on the outside looking in at number four. Uh, technically, he's number 14 on the list, so he's on the outside looking in. But Jermaine Johnson the second starting to climb a little bit. When A lot of people were excited about him, saying he's a really athletic guy. Um, the Vikings were looking at him, I guess, but <clears throat> no, we decided to move on and go and pick up <laughs> Lewis Seen. But in any case, Jermaine Johnson the second winds up as basically number 14. He's on the outside looking in. Uh, number 13 on the outside looking in is Romeo Dubs, the wide receiver from Green Bay. Had himself a really solid game. It's kind of looking like Aaron Rodgers is starting to favor him a little bit because of all the injuries to Lazard and you know Randall Cobb's getting up there in the years. And Romeo Dubs had himself a really nice game. He could be the next big weapon for Rodgers that Rodgers decides to build. We're going to find out. But he looked really strong in this game. I really liked what he did. Uh, number two is a guy that's been sitting on the outside looking in, but he didn't make any progress this week. Is Boye Mafe, the edge rusher, uh, edge rusher from Seattle. You know, I was big on Boye Mafe. I thought that the pick where, where Seattle got him was just awesome. That was a, a steal at that point. I do think Mafe could wind up being an effective edge rusher in this league, and and I've thought that for a while. I like Mafe. Uh, so he winds up kind of at number 12. Number one goes to Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks falls off the list this week. He had himself one of the most like anemic weeks that he could have had. Uh, he winds up number one on the out or number one on the outside looking in, number 11 overall. He slipped quite a bit. Um, he had himself just an awesome, awesome week the week before. Uh, and, and I understand he was playing limited snaps, but Burks, uh, yeah, he, he's having a rough time being consistent, and it doesn't necessarily surprise me because of the issues that Burks have had, has had with conditioning. Um, and, and that was kind of a, a, an issue with his um, conditioning or his consistency. I, I just really believe that Traylon Burks needs to be more consistent if he's going to wind up getting back on these rookie rankings. Um, now moving into the, the top 10 here of the rookie rankings, number 10 goes to Bernard Raymond. Uh, he almost fell off the list this week. Uh, he didn't play this past week. And that's why, you know, one of the biggest things about being a, a rookie in this league and being on this list is consistency and availability. Bernard Raymond didn't, well, he wasn't playing this week. And because he didn't play, he slid down the list. And so his all of his PFF grades stay the same. The 73.2, the 82.2 pass blocking grade, the 64.3 run blocking grade. Uh, but him missing week three really just shoved him down the list from a top five guy to number 10. I mean, that's, that's an issue, uh, is availability. If he doesn't play again next week, he might just fall off the list. We don't know what's going to happen with Bernard Raymond. 
But yeah, man, he comes off the list. Another guy, by the way, that came off the list because he's on IR for now is Trent McDuffie, who I was real big on. Yeah, and the injury bug bit him. He's going to be out for the next four weeks. You know, if, if McDuffie can't get out back on the field, he may not see these rookie rankings again. I hope he does. But, yeah, Trent McDuffie came off this list, too, just throwing that out there. Uh, number nine goes to a guy that had kind of this coming-out party here. Uh, Chris Olave, the wide receiver from New Orleans, the rookie, 73.2 PFF grade. He had a 74.5 receiving grade. He had a hell of a stat line. We talked about it earlier. Olave looked great, and uh, he pops up at number nine here. He really shot up the list. It's early in the season, folks, and and he could still move up on that list, but it's early in the season, so a lot of these these week-over-week grades are holding a lot more weight. We're going to see this stuff kind of, you know, uh, come come into focus, more focus as far as uh, who the top ten rookies are from this season, but Chris Olave makes that list. And he could he has an opportunity to keep climbing if he continues this run, especially going on uh, going up against a weak Viking secondary this week in London. Get ready for it. Chris Olave is number nine. Number eight, Tyler Smith, the offensive tackle from Dallas. He has a 67.2 PFF grade. He slipped a little bit on that. 73.8 run blocking grade, 63 pass blocking. He has filled in admirably uh, for for all these uh, tackles that have been hurt and whatever the case may be. He fills in at left tackle and he's been doing a great job. I like Tyler Smith a lot. If Chris Olave has another big week, he could jump Tyler Smith. But, yeah, Tyler Smith has been consistently sitting about right at this 7-8 mark, and I, I think that's uh, where he's likely going to wind up in, in, the, uh, in the overall, to be honest with you. I think he'll be in the, the low top 10. Uh, number 7 goes to Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, his first appearance here. Thibodeau, he was, we were waiting for him to make his debut. He finally makes his debut and has a hell of a game for the Giants. Um, 73.2 PFF grade. He had a 64 run defense and a 71.6 pass rush grade. He was blitzing the quarterback. He was effective. He was effective in, in, uh, run defense, not as effective as he was at the pass rush. He's always been better, a better pass rusher than he has been a run defender. And, uh, he was disruptive and, and he was all over Cooper rush, uh, this past week. It was, it was pretty impressive. So Kayvon Thibodeau winds up at number seven. Number six is a guy that kind of fell down a little bit here. Ahmad Sauce Gardner, he winds up at number six, the corner from the Jets. He had a 69.2 PFF grade, 71.1 on run defense, 67.2 in coverage. His coverage grade was not as good as it has been in previous weeks. I expected Ahmad Sauce Gardner to continue his upward trajectory. He's had kind of a rough go this last week. Um, So Sauce Gardner winds up at number six, slides a little bit uh, out of that top five. Uh, number five goes to a kind of a surprising guy. He was bad the first couple of weeks, but then he had really just a tremendous game this last week to shoot him up all the way up. And this is kind of um, an indicator of how this these early grades can really affect your overall score. I mean, Kyle Hamilton from, from Baltimore, the safety, he went from a 50s, from the 50s on his PFF grade, all the way up to a 77.7 in this past week. He has a 73.1 coverage grade, 69.4 run defense grade. He has a 64.1 pass rush. It was his first big, big week. And a lot of people are wondering, why isn't he in the lower part of your, your top 10 if he just shot up? If you look at those other guys, a lot of them are having their first big weeks. Kyle Hamilton had... A bigger week than all of them, and and he shoots up into the the top five just like that. 
very uh, strong upward trajectory here for him. Uh, another guy that had a big week is our number four guy, Jordan Davis, the defensive lineman out of Philadelphia. He had himself an 80.3 PFF grade, 72.4 in run defense, 73.6 in, in the pass rush. He did have limited snaps on the day, but Jordan Davis has been effective for Philly for the last three weeks. He's a big, big motherfucker. Let me just point that out. We, we've been talking about Jordan Davis and his abilities, and, and a lot of people are, are huge on Jordan Davis. That size really stands out to everybody. And he finally just really showed everybody, hey, I am the real deal. I am one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. And right now he's proving it. So Jordan Davis winds up at number four. A guy that shot up our list, number three. He made the list last week, at I think at number seven. Climbs all the way up to number three. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Jacksonville. He has a 78.2 PFF grade. Listen to this. 88.5 run defense grade. Uh, Devin Lloyd is, is one of those linebackers. We, you know, he really had problems in week one, week two, he was much better week three. That was kind of the coming out party for him saying, Hey everybody, I'm one of the best linebackers out here. And, uh, Devin Lloyd, man, winds up 78.2 PFF grade winds up at number three. Now, Jordan Davis is nipping on his, at his heels right now, but buddy, woo, Jordan Davis and, uh, Devin Lloyd, man, they're, those two guys are just incredible. Uh, number two, a guy that has been, ever since last week, he got hot, continues that hot streak into this week, Garrett Wilson from the New York Jets, 80.7 PFF grade. He has an 80.2 receiving grade. I think Garrett Wilson, I, I called him to be the best receiver out of this draft so far. That has not come to fruition, but he's still been one of the best. And he comes out just firing here, for, and he's... You know, he plays for the Jets. I mean, kind of an anemic team. I really think when the Jets get a real quarterback over there, not Zach Wilson, not Joe Flacco, it's going to really benefit Garrett Wilson. He winds up at number two. But number one is a guy that's been hanging on there for three weeks straight. The first three weeks go to Drake London out of Atlanta, the wide receiver. 82.5 PFF grade and 85.3 receiving grade. Atlanta needs to hit this guy more, more, more. They need to feed him the ball more, more, more. They need to get him in the, you know, uh, get him catches in the end zone more, more, more. They need to get him involved. Drake London only had three receptions last week. They need to get him more involved this week. He had, but his receptions were all worthwhile. 52 yards. He had a touchdown on the day. Drake London winds up as your number one rookie for the third week in a row, moving into week three. Now, those are our rookie rankings, folks, and uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here, and uh, when we get back, we're going to go around the uh, the news around the league, and we're going to talk about our predictions for the upcoming week. So with that, folks, uh, we'll be right back right here on the Outside Blitz. At It's Your Time Massage, you get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting. With four years' experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue, pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours. With the rates ranging from $55 to $130, you get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's your time massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. 
and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. And uh, I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, all by myself, still, but that's okay. It's only one week. We'll get through it, folks, I promise. Uh, it's a little tough without the banter, but that's okay. We're going to make it work. Uh, we do have some news around the league. Not a ton this week. The The major stuff is what we're going to be touching on. Uh, first and foremost, we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, and that's going to be the Tua Tungaveloa concussion injury discussion. So we got to talk about it because uh, it is officially Friday here, September the 30th, and we we had a, a kind of a situation uh, last night on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Tua went out, and uh, last week Tua Tungaveloa took a, a nasty spill um, on the field, he got he got hit. He fell backwards. His head bounced off the turf. He stood up. He looked visibly dizzy, um, and not in a a really good way. Um, he stood up. He he started walking. He he staggered around a little bit, like he he was having trouble finding his balance. Um, had to bend down and and put his hands on his knees, and his other players had to help him stand straight and. Uh, there's a video that emerged of him at practice this past week, from what I understand, of him staggering around a little bit and looking a little off balance. Um, and he comes into this game. They they allow him to play. You know, they say he it was they, the word from Miami was that this was all due to a back injury after he got uh, uh, you know hobbled and and wobbled up <laughs> over there last week. And Tua Veloa winds up. They, they passed concussion protocol. The NFLPA says that they're going to be doing an investigation. Tua comes out on the field this past Thursday and gets thrown around, whacks his head off the ground again. And um, it was a pretty scary scene. Uh, it was it, You could tell there was a neurological issue where his hands were, were right in front of his face and they were, they were stuck. It was, it was like an involuntary uh, seizure almost in a way. It was weird. I'm not going to say it was a seizure, but it kind of looked like that type of thing. It was a very in, involuntary motion from his hands uh, due to his head hitting the ground. It was very clearly a head injury. Now look, first and foremost, after last week, last week Tua should have been pulled out of that game against the Buffalo Bills. Uh, he should not have remained on the field. I don't know in what world we're living in that that is not a concussion. Like, like, if that's not a concussion, then shit, I don't understand concussions. Because, you know, it sure as fuck looked like a concussion to me. Anytime I see a guy staggering around like that, unable to keep his balance, that's a concussion to me. That screams concussion. Um, it was, it, it definitely seemed like a head injury, and, and uh, Tua comes back out there. Go, first, And then going into Thursday Night Football, I, I don't think Tua should have been playing. I should I don't think he should have been on the field. And I think a lot of that falls on on Mike McDaniel for allowing him to be on the field. Uh, it falls on the Dolphins' medical staff. I, I really don't think that he should have been allowed to play. I don't think that Tua Tungavailoa should have been on the field at all um, until they were for sure, I mean, at least one week, until they were for sure that that he was going to be okay. And it, even worse is his family was in the, in the crowd. They came to watch their son play football, and here he is in that that state of uh, that state that physical state a, after getting thrown to the ground like that. And man, it, it's a scary situation. But I do think the Dolphins organization needs to really be investigated and be looked into. They need to start looking at some of these this medical staff that they have over there in Miami. 
I just don't understand why the Miami Dolphins can't perform like a regular uh, uh, organization. And that's that's been my question for the last couple of days, for the last three days now. Ever since I saw the video of Tua staggering around on Sunday, it's been my my constant question: What is what does it take for the Miami Dolphins to to act like a competent organization? Uh, they got in trouble for the stuff with Tom Brady earlier this year, and now there's going to be this scandal. I I just don't understand it. And a lot of times, his medical staff and these coaches they have to save these players from themselves because in a, in some kind of macho way they want to get on the field, they want to play ball. So the fact that they didn't stop him from getting on the field is is it should be setting off alarms to the NFLPA. It should be setting off alarms to the the NFL in general, the league as a whole. Um, this is a problem, and people are are obviously speaking out. Obviously, we want uh, all the best for Tua Tungavailoa, but man, like we got to protect these players from themselves because in some kind of macho way, they want to come out and they want to play ball. And I don't blame them for wanting to play ball and do their best and give, put their best foot forward and be the best they can be. But at a certain point, we, you know, the league or, or the medical staff or somebody has to put their foot down and say, Hey man, you're not ready for this physically. And uh, that, that seems to be a, a tough pill for some of these guys to swallow. So uh, there's that, the tongue of Aloha stuff. We're, we're going to find out more in the future. I I'm, Damn sure, but if if I were the league, I'd be going with a shotgun approach and and firing a lot of people and finding a lot of people for their involvement in this whole entire situation because this is a mess, um, just an absolute mess. Um, next up on our news around the league, the Saints, man, they've got a plethora of injuries going into London. Here we'll start with Andy Dalton is getting ready to start versus the Vikings in London. Jameis Winston is listed as doubtful with a back and ankle injury. Um, he's had a, those injuries. He's been playing through them. Uh, Andy Dalton, if you remember, he played for the Cowboys, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he beat the Vikings when he played for the Cowboys, so this might be a good start. Um, you know, it was just he, he found lightning in a bottle that week. We'll see if he can do it again. Saints versus Vikings in London. The Saints are, are going to be without Michael Thomas as well. Their star wide receiver goes down. Um, he's been ruled out and also, uh, the running back Alvin Kamara, he's got a rib injury and wide receiver Jarvis Landry. He's got an ankle injury. Both those guys are listed as questionable. So the saints are finding themselves in some kind of trouble this week. They better hope they get Chris Olave going again in this game, but man, it's going to get interesting over there in London saints versus Vikings. Um, Speaking of the Vikings, running back Dalvin Cook, uh, he was a full participant in practice this week with a shoulder injury. He's expected to play on Sunday. So the Vikings really have, it's their game to lose here. I, I, I really do think it's the Vikings game to lose, but uh, it's it's going to be a fun one over there in London, uh, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. I'll be uh, sitting on my couch watching it with my uh, my Chris Carter jersey on. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, next up, we got the... the uh, Panthers, Christian McCaffrey, the running back, he's got a thigh injury. Uh, he's questionable for the matchup versus the Cardinals. Uh, you know, McCaffrey's coming off a pretty strong week. I think the Panthers do need him in the fold to be able to handle the Cardinals. Uh, Baker Mayfield definitely needs him in the fold in order to be productive. It's going to be a, a tough matchup uh, for them if they can't get uh, Christian McCaffrey on the field against that Cardinals team. Um, even though the Cardinals haven't been playing completely up to snuff, it'll be a toughie. Uh, elsewhere around the league, you also have the Ravens defensive tackle, Michael Pierce. He's set to undergo season ending bicep surgery. You know, Pierce has kind of been a, a series of injuries and all kinds of stuff. He held out for the COVID year. 
Um, now the bicep injury, he's had back injuries, he's had leg injuries, he's had all kinds of problems. Um, when the Vikings let him go, to be honest with you, I was sort of relieved because we won't have to deal with the injury issues that come with Mike Pierce. Um, and now he's uh, the Ravens' problem. Pierce goes down. He's not going to be back for the rest of the season uh, due to the bicep surgery, so good luck to him. The Ravens starting to look like a sick ward again, which is uh, should be setting off alarms to Tyler right now. Um, around that division, the Bengals' defensive tackle, DJ Reader, he gets placed on season-ending IR with a sprained, AC, or sprained MCL. Um, they said he could miss as little as six weeks, but it's likely going to be a season-ending IR situation for him. So uh, DJ Reader placed on IR for the Bengals. Uh, next up, Miles Garrett, the defensive end for the Cleveland Browns. He suffers shoulder and bicep injuries in a single-car crash this week. Uh, he did get ticketed for it. He he was apparently not in control of his vehicle. But Miles Garrett is uh, listed as questionable uh, for this upcoming week uh, with those shoulder and bicep injuries. He has since been released from the hospital. Kind of a bomb scare for the the Browns, but you know we'll we'll see what happens. I think the Browns are going to be able to handle the matchup they have this week. Um, you know they 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 do have a pretty favorable matchup against the Falcons. So, I mean, this they, they might be able to handle it without him, uh, with how strong their defense is, especially in the front seven. So we'll see what happens with Miles Garrett. But Miles Garrett, as of right now, is uh, up in the air moving into this weekend. Um, for the Chargers, one guy that's not going to be involved on the end is Joey Bosa. He's placed on season-ending IR to undergo surgery on his injured groin. Uh, so defensive end Joey Bosa, gone for the Chargers this year. That's a, a huge blow to that team because he is a stud on the defensive side of the ball. Also on the offensive side of the ball, the Chargers left tackle where Sean Slater is set to miss the rest of the 2022 season. He has a ruptured biceps tendon. Uh, man, just a, a, a tough go for the Chargers. They, they lose a heartbreaker to the, the Jags. And they get pounded, and then they go out and they lose two of their star players. And don't forget, Rashawn Slater was a top three rookie uh, finalist for us last year um, in our rookie rankings. Kind of an interesting thing there, not having him on the field. So we'll see how that works out for the Chargers, see if they can put it all together uh, in the next couple of weeks. But, man, they, they got to figure out something because uh, after last week's performance, whoo, buddy, we, they can't have any more of that. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to see any more of that. Woo, Red Bull, baby. Uh, next up, we've got the uh, the Detroit Lions, man. Wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown, we talked about it a little bit earlier. He suffered an ankle injury in the loss to the Vikings. He's not expected to miss significant time, if any, after the test results show that his uh, uh, ankle was encouraging. Um, you know, that that's all fine and well, but, you know, if the Lions don't have Amon Ross St. Brown on the field, I think that they their uh, offense is a little anemic and in trouble. It's going to be a mess for them if they can't get St. Brown on the field. They need to get him out there. And especially because the Lions running back DeAndre Swift is also likely to miss Sunday's game versus Seattle with a shoulder injury. If both those guys aren't on the field, the Lions are probably in deep trouble. Um, I know their offense has been something special, but a huge part of that is Amon Ross St. Brown, and a huge part of that is DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift throughout his career has dealt with injury issues anyway, so... We're going to see what the Lions can do and see if they can, you know, kind of have that next man up mentality. I know Jamal Williams was really, really good for them this past week, so it might not be that big of a deal not having DeAndre Swift. 
but they've got to at least have Amon Ross St. Brown in that receiving core. If they don't, they're in trouble. Um, around the NFC, we do have some other major issues going on. Uh, left tackle, 49ers left tackle Trent Williams. He suffers a high ankle sprain on Sunday night football versus the Broncos. He had to be helped off the field. It's not going to require surgery, but he's likely going to miss four to six weeks uh, for the Niners. That is a huge hit. He's one of the best offensive tackles in the league. He goes down, um, and many people believe he's the best offensive tackle in the league. But uh, Trent Williams not being on the field is is a massive hit for the 49ers. He protects the blind side of Jimmy G. He, he opens up running lanes. The guy is just a stud. So for him to not be there for the 49ers, whew, painful, painful. Speaking of uh, painful, let's talk about uh, Ken Dorsey freaking out in the booth after the loss to the Dolphins. It goes viral. Um, I guess the, the bills didn't get to the, the line quickly enough to clock it. Ken Dorsey freaks out, punching the desk, throwing papers. I mean, just losing it gets caught camera goes viral. And man, I made so many memes and, and just comments about how I was feeling for the day and posting the Ken Dorsey, uh, video of him just destroying things. And then, uh, somebody covered up the camera. Uh, who knows if the league's going to wind up finding him for that, but man, hilarious. Um, speaking of the Bills, they go out and sign former Vikings and Colts corner Xavier Rhodes to the practice squad. Now, let's remember the Bills' defense in their secondary, it's been void of talent. Tredavious White has not been back, if I'm not mistaken. The Bills need to get some secondary help, and they're suffering all kinds of injuries to their secondary. If they're going to be competitive, they need to keep that defense moving the way it is. That defense has been strong as shit this year. So they go out and sign Xavier Rhodes. He performed really well for the Colts. He had a couple of really good years with Minnesota, uh, before the, the at least until the very end, which the last year was just miserable for him. But I do think Xavier Rhodes could be a good addition if they utilize him correctly, and I think the, the Colts showed that. So the Bills wind up getting a, a good corner off of uh, free agency, and they probably got him for a dime because it's the middle of the season. So good on them with that move. Uh, elsewhere in New York, the Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard, he suffers a torn ACL versus the Cowboys. Um, rumor has it the turf at MetLife Stadium is starting to is, is come into play in this multiple times, but the, the turf at MetLife is now coming into question yet again. Um, and, and people are saying that, saying that the turf at MetLife has claimed another one. Apparently, the Giants changed the turf on the field recently. And it's been having causing people to tear ACLs and, you know, hurt their knees and tear their MCLs and whatever else. I don't know what in the hell is going on. But the, the Giants need to figure out what's going on with their stadium because now one of their, their receivers just went down, and Sterling Shepard is a damn good receiver if utilized properly. Granted, they haven't used him properly in the last several years, but um, I, I like Sterling Shepard a lot, and, uh, yeah, I, it's amazing to me that a team would replace the, the uh, uh, turf on the field and have it cause so many injuries and not do anything about it. So that's an interesting situation. Around that division, Dak Prescott was initially earlier this week saying he wasn't having any swelling on his injured throwing hand. He was apparently throwing the ball. Um, now he's dealing with swelling. There's no timeline for his return. So Dak uh, dealing with the swelling in the hand, that's an issue now for uh, old Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Cooper Rush will continue to get the uh, start over there, uh, barring any injury to him. 
next up, the Patriots QB Mac Jones. We talked about this earlier. He suffered a high ankle sprain in the fourth quarter of uh, his Week Three matchup versus the Ravens. He's expected to be out for several weeks. Uh, Brian Hoyer is going to get the start. You know, a lot of people remember Brian Hoyer for his awful stint with the the Browns, but he's actually a good problem to have for the Patriots. He's actually a decent backup for them, and he knows that system. He's been around for a while. He's filled in admirably for uh, Tom Brady in the past. He's a good spot start, so you may see Brian Hoyer be successful enough to keep the Patriots kind of in the conversation for the playoffs and whatnot. I know they haven't been off to a torrid start or anything like that, but he could actually be good for the Patriots right now. So we're going to see how he turns out, but Brian Hoyer set to uh, get the start this week. And then in that same division, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson has been medically cleared to play. He's going to be playing on Sunday for the Jets, uh, getting a start there. I think it's a bad idea. I do think Joe Flacco is the better quarterback. But, hey, what the hell do I know? Uh, Joe Flacco getting the start. Um, or, I'm sorry, uh, Zach Wilson getting the start. Joe Flacco going to be seeing his way to the bench. It's just going to be a fun situation for him. So, uh, with that... Those are, that's our news around the league. And last but not least, folks, we've got our picks. We're going to be going over our weekly predictions for this upcoming week. Um, I know that we've already had the Thursday night game happen. Just so everybody knows, Alex did pick the Bengals. um, And Andrew, myself, we picked the Dolphins. So uh, obviously, Alex got that one right. Tyler's going to be sending us uh, his picks. Um... Uh, and and when he joins us next week, we're going to have his score all tallied up. Uh, but for this week, we'll just go over mine, Andrew's, and Alex's. And Tyler, when he gets back from hiatus, he'll jump back into the fold. But for now, uh, we're going to be jumping into our picks. So here are our predictions for week four in the NFL, starting out with the early morning game, Vikings versus the Saints. Uh, you know, Alex is going with the Saints. Andrew and myself are going with the Vikings here. I think the Vikings really have the Saints number in this situation. The Saints have a ton of injuries. The Vikings have problems on the defensive side of the ball, but depending on how the Saints handle things and depending on the injuries to the Saints players, I don't know that the Saints are really going to have any offensive playmakers to battle with the Vikings. I'm going Vikings here. I think they've got control of this game. Uh, next up, you got the Lions and the Seahawks. Now, look, I understand that the Seahawks are coming off of a decent game offensively, but I don't think the Seahawks are going to be good enough to uh, uh, beat the Detroit Lions. I think the offense is clicking for the Lions, um, and even though I, I don't like the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown isn't on the field, I think the Lions have enough around them to handle it. Uh, I'm going with the Lions here over the Seahawks. Uh, I, I, it'll be close but I think Lions over Seahawks, and so are Alex and Andrew here. Uh, Next up, Jets and the Steelers. Let's talk about it. The Steelers going up against kind of a soft matchup with the Jets. You know, it was kind of a tough situation for me to make a pick on this game, and then I saw Zach Wilson was coming in for the Jets and said, oh, the Steelers are going to (laughs) win. That's that's how bad I feel about uh, uh, Zach Wilson. So I'm going with the Steelers. Alex and Andrew both going with the Steelers. So, uh, yeah, the Steelers are going to be picking up that W, in my opinion. Next up, we got the Bears and the Giants. This one was kind of a tight one. Um, You know, it's kind of two rough squads. Alex goes with the Giants. I go with the Giants. Andrew goes with the Bears in this situation. I think the Giants will pull this one out. I believe in Brian DeBall and what he's doing over there, in spite of the fact that Daniel Jones is a shitty quarterback. 
I do think Brian DeBall has enough smarts to be able to beat the Bears. I'm going with the Giants here. Aller's going with the Giants here. Andrew's going with the Bears. So uh, we'll, it's two on one there. Um, next up, we got the Titans and the Colts. Uh, you know, I the Titans coming off of a hot performance. I'm going to go ahead and go with the, the Titans. And uh, so is Andrew here. And Alex is also going with the Titans. Now, I, I believe Derrick Henry is finally starting to hit his stride. I don't think the Colts' defense is all it's cracked up to be, even though they did shut down Patrick Mahomes. But they've done that in the past. I think the Titans are going to be able to handle the Colts here. Derrick Henry all day. Get ready for it. The battle of two great running backs. I'm calling Titans in this game over the Colts. Uh, next up, Chargers and the Texans. Uh, Alex goes with the Chargers. Andrew goes with the Chargers. And I am going with the Chargers. Chargers are going to have a bounce-back game against a very lowly Texans team. I understand the Chargers got pounded by the Jags last week, and it was a miserable experience. But... I do think the Chargers can beat the Texans. They're going to dig themselves back out of that hole, and they're going to start getting back on track right here in spite of the fact that they don't have two star players on the field in, in Rashawn Slater and Joey Bosa. I think they're capable of handling this Texans team. Chargers on top. They're going to go ahead and beat them out. Uh, next up, we got the Browns and the Falcons. The Browns, um, you know, they, they, they're coming off a nice performance against the Steelers. I do think the Browns are capable of beating that lowly Falcons defense. I know the Falcons have been a little more competitive, but the Browns are better than the Falcons right now. Andrew goes with the Browns. I go with the Browns. Alex going with the Falcons, which is kind of a surprise. Um, but I think that Browns running attack is going to pound the Falcons into the ground. Into the ground. Uh, next up, we got the Commanders and the Cowboys. The Cowboys' secondary is really, really, really good, which kind of uh, set off alarms to me. Alex and Andrew are both going with the Cowboys here. I'm going with the Cowboys as well. I think their secondary is good enough to slow down that three-wide situation. For, or the Cowboys' secondary is good enough to, be, to stop the Commanders in the three-wide situation. But I, I do think um, it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people believe. Cooper Rush has been running that offense very well for a backup quarterback. I'm going to go ahead and go Cowboys here. I think they've got the momentum on their side, and they're going to beat them. Uh, next up, we get the Jags and the Eagles. Jags coming off that red-hot performance. We've got the Eagles, though, that have looked so damn good. I think the Eagles, the Jags are competitive now. Suddenly, the Jags are a very dangerous team. I'm going with the Eagles here, but this is going to be a lot closer than a lot of people believe, in my opinion. It, it, just judging by what we saw last week out of the Jaguars, I'm going Eagles. Looks like Alex and Andrew are also going Eagles in this game. Uh, next up, we got the Bills and the Ravens, and it's the Bills by a clean sweep. All three of us going with the Bills. Look, I like Lamar Jackson, but that Bills defense is just too damn good, and the Bills offense is just killer. I think the Bills are, are on their way to a Super Bowl. I think the Ravens are going to be competing in those, that playoff picture, but the Bills are the Super Bowl bound, in my opinion. I think they're the favorite. I'm going with the Bills here. Alex and Andrew both going with the Bills. Next up, we've got the Cardinals and the Panthers. Um, I think the Panthers are a little weak. I think they're weaker than Alex gives them credit for, um, or, or than, than Alex believes. You know, So Alex is going with the Panthers. Andrew and myself are going with the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I, I think the Cardinals are going to be able to handle the Panthers with ease, especially if uh, Christian McCaffrey doesn't see the field. You're going to see Cardinals over Panthers in this game, in my opinion, but we'll find out on Sunday at 4.05. Uh, next up, Broncos and Raiders in Vegas. You know, the uh, 
I don't believe in Russ Wilson. I don't believe in the Broncos. I don't know how the hell he's even coming close to staying alive in some of these games. It's uh, Raiders by a clean sweep. I don't think that there is uh, any question that the Raiders are going to go out. And even though the Raiders are 0-3, let's just bear in mind, this is the Broncos and this is Russ Wilson not playing good football. Raiders all day. I think the Raiders beat the Broncos here, and so do Alex and Andrew. So, Raiders. Uh, next up, Patriots and the Packers. Without Mac Jones on the field, this is a no-brainer to myself and to Alex. We both went with the Packers. Andrew goes with the Patriots. Kind of a strange situation, seeing as how Brian Hoyer is going to wind up being on the field. Fun fact about Brian Hoyer. Did you know his real name is Axel? No joke. Why wouldn't you want to go by Axel? That's got to be like the coolest first name ever. But I digress. Brian Hoyer on the field. Andrew taking the Patriots. Eh, I don't see it. I'm going Packers in this situation. So is Alex. Um, next up, we got the Chiefs and the Bucks. Uh, kind of an interesting game. I went with the Chiefs here. Alex going with the Chiefs. Andrew going with the Bucks. <clears throat> I don't know if I necessarily buy the Bucks here. I know Mike Evans is going to be making his way back, but the Chiefs have been playing really well. This is going to be a bounce-back game for them after uh, losing a, a really questionable game to the Colts. Um, Chiefs aren't going to be playing around. Patrick Mahomes is pissed. I believe that the Chiefs go out and beat the Bucs handily in this game. It's going to be Chiefs all day, um, and uh, that's what I, I really believe. Alex agrees with me. Andrew's going with the Bucs. We'll see what happens on Sunday Night Football. And last but not least, Monday Night Football. The Rams and the Niners. Uh, you know, it, this one was actually, believe it or not, a little tough for me. Uh, Andrew and myself taking the Rams, Alex taking the Niners. You know, the Rams haven't been the same th team we saw last year, and I know that the Niners beat them last year, but I really do think that the uh, the Rams are capable of, of uh, handling the Niners. The, the Niners look kind of lost. Uh, judging by what I saw on, on uh, Sunday Night Football against the Broncos in what was the most boring Sunday Night Football game I've ever sat through, uh, you know, I, I really do think that the Rams have this one under control. It's going to be all Rams all day, and uh, I hope everybody's ready for it. The Niners aren't going to find that lightning in a bottle like they did last year. They're, it's going to be Rams all day, so get ready for it. Monday Night Football, Rams over Niners. Uh, for me. So, um, and obviously, Alex believes the Niners, Andrew believes the Rams. You know, we'll see what Tyler thinks, but those are our predictions around the league um, for week four. Now, folks, we're going to be getting out of here real soon. I just want to give a quick shout out to a couple of our sponsors over at It's Your Time Massage. Check out IYTMassage.com. Uh, you can get yourself a massage with the wonderful massage therapist, Amanda. She does Swedish and deep tissue massages, CBD oil, you name it. Uh, she is awesome, dude. And I can't get over how amazing she is uh, as far as um, uh, her work. She takes great pride in her work, does excellent job. So uh, please check her out, IYTMassage.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage. Um, take care of yourself, your well-being. That's a, a huge step in the right direction is getting yourself a damn massage. I need to get Tyler a massage because he's a cranky little bastard. Um, next up, we've got uh, Face Kicked Apparel, our boy Sean Stockmeyer, facekickedapparel.com. And you're looking for any custom shirts, hoodies, hats, pants, anything you want, you pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. Sean's amazing. He does amazing work. I've seen some of the quality of shirts and hoodies that he's got. 
people, you need to check this place out. If you're looking for shirts for your special event or a custom shirt or whatever else for somebody that you love or care about, check them out, basekicktapparel.com. I uh, want to give a shout-out to Patch Miracle Photography. Uh, Andrew Langlin is an amazing photographer. Him and his wife, Chantel, they make a tremendous team. They did mine and my wife's wedding photos. They were amazing. They did my my baby's newborn photos. Amazing. They did the maternity photos. Amazing. They did our engagement photos. Amazing. They're going to be doing our family portraits, and I'm sure those will be amazing. They're the most professional photos ever. And if you get these, you know, Andrew and Chantel for your wedding day to, to come out and photograph, get photographs for you, I'm going to tell you what, they're going to make sure that this is one of your most special days of your life because they understand it is one of the most special days of your life. They are amazing. They are professional. They are on time. They are wonderful people. I can't get over how good these guys are and I can't stress how much you should be if you're looking for family portraits or anything like that. You can, um, you know, check out Patch Miracle Photography. And also, if you're looking for a boudoir shoot for, for your uh, special somebody, I think I'm pronouncing that right, you know what? You can go to Patch Miracle Photography as well. They do they do those as well. So if you're looking to do something a little sexy for someone that you love and care about, there you go. So check it out, Patch Miracle Photography. Um, also, a, another uh, couple of shout-outs. We got the uh, boys over at Big Willie Dubs Gaming, Condor's Gaming, Gaming Corner, Check those guys out. If you guys haven't checked them out already for the uh, streaming stuff, you guys get, you know, I love watching them their streams. I think it's very entertaining stuff. You learn a lot. You get to, to learn about the different games that are out there. Um, the voice acting is fantastic for Alex and Andrew. A lot of fun. Uh, I definitely recommend checking out uh, Condor's Gaming Corner, Big Willie Dubs Gaming. Uh, check out both those places, uh, both those um, streams, rather. And, uh, folks, that's our show. I know I'm, uh, I moved a little quickly through it, but hey, you know, it's a little tough when you only got a one-man army going on here and you don't have that banter, but that's okay. A little bit short of a show today. We, we, we got through it. But next week, we're going to have the boys on board. We're going to be recording on a Saturday again with, with the, the gentlemen, with our, our fellow co-hosts, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into the Outside Blitz. We'll see you next time right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz, and be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz, and feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com. <laughs>